This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Hypnotherapy makes it possible for a person to get to know their internal system. As someone is able to release the burdens that they may carry, they are able to open themselves to experience more compassion, calm, clarity, courage, caring, connectedness, confidence, and curiosity. These are just a few of the gifts one can experience as they strengthen their connection to the ever-flowing source from within. Valeria Tullis interviews Rebecca Lelick, Montana School of Hypnotherapy Instructor and Director, Clinical Hypnotherapist, Internal Family Systems Model Practitioner, and Speaker. Rebecca Lelick received her education from the Hypnotism Center of Western Montana with certification through the American Council of Hypnotist Examiners. She has completed the Level 1 and Level 2 training in Internal Family Systems Model of Therapy and is a certified practitioner in the model. It is her passion for the mind-body connection that set her on this path of learning. She is grateful to have the opportunity to use this knowledge to empower others and assist them in making positive changes in their own lives. I believe peace comes in finding joy in the present moment and moving into loving acceptance of what is. When we are able to be curious about anything and everything we face, we are then able to experience a sense of calm and open-hearted compassion for ourselves and others. Meet Rebecca at RebeccaLelick.com. Here is the interview with Rebecca Lelick. In your own words, who is Rebecca Lelick? She is a woman who has a desire to be completely embodied and to express her true self, the, the, the self that has always been there, her true nature in the world. And I wonder what that looks like, Rebecca. Do you have some ideas? Can you imagine what it looks like to fully embody your true nature? I can, because I think I am practicing it as I'm learning about it. I I have a deep desire to be present to myself in a way that I can be accepting and compassionate with whatever arises. And I think I'm I'm I've been given a life where I'm given a lot of opportunities to play with that and to explore what that feels like and it 
it feels really good. (laughs) Yes. So it is a practice in a way. I mean, it sounds like it is a practice. So I wonder what freedom is. I think that's freedom. Mm, It's a practice. Yeah, I think freedom is is a a knowing that you always have options, that you always have the ability to choose and and maybe choose again in any moment. When I think about life, I think about being life, not having one. So I often wonder who is choosing, who is navigating this reality in the way that this body does. And it comes to me that there's no choosing, really. There's, I'm not choosing because there's no one here, uh, specifically um, the identi- identity of the center, of that, the one who makes this reality happen. So that's another topic I know, but one that I love <laughs> talking about, the idea of free will and choice that's never there, but we have this, it's a, one of the greatest illusions, it seems to me, that it really feels like we are choosing. Like to be here now, today, in this moment and talk to you. Am I choosing this? Ah, No, just life, it's guiding me to be here now for some reason. That I I don't know, I cannot intellectualize or or know what the reason for that, which is interesting. Yes, it's it's like just as you're talking, I can feel this kind of expansiveness, even pondering that, like, who is choosing? And I, it, it makes me think of the witness consciousness, this um, aspect of ourselves that, like you're just saying, Valeria, doesn't choose, but just kind of observes. Yes, right. I mean, experiences too, because there's something here that is feeling everything, that's free to feel everything. But at the same time, it's also free to be curious about everything and ask questions (laughs) and be open to everything. And that's such a paradox, isn't it? Because whatever true nature that you speak of and even the soul, it's already everything. It's already a whole. It's already open to everything. But we get to have the feeling of that in the human body, which is conditioned, limited in so many ways. Yeah. What a magical experience to have. Yes. And I think our soul actually needs this body to even have those experiences. Yes, right. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, and I also wonder, and I ask the question here, what is the purpose of that? Is just to experience wholeness in the human body, the separation, or do you believe in a different kind of purpose to be here? in a human body? I think the reason we are in these human bodies is to learn to love, to love ourselves, to love the other. Because I think soul, I think that part of us that's part of God or the universe or the mother or the source, whatever you call it, it is all love. It's all love. It's pure love. And it gets to express that love through our bodies it likes gets to experience being in relationship with other love Mm. so it's i think it's about the experience of loving 
Yeah. Yeah. That's another beautiful idea and concept of what love is. I usually include the word unconditional before love because that makes it very clear <laughs> in a sense yeah. of that embraces everything. Whatever love is, it's all accepting. It's not judgmental. There's no separation there. I love what you wrote. We talked off record about this already, but I have to go back to it. <laughs> you write, I believe peace comes in finding joy in the present moment and moving into loving acceptance of what is. When we are able to be curious about anything and everything we face, we are then able to experience a sense of calm and open-hearted compassion for ourselves and others. I love how clear this is. It just resonates a billion percent true to whatever is here. What inspired you to write this, Rebecca? Well, that actually, probably the story of that begins several years ago when I was introduced to the work I do, which is, is hypnotherapy. I realized that so many of us, myself included, uh, come into this world and like you've already talked about the, the conditioning, we become externally regulated. We look outside of ourselves for, for validation, for acceptance, for love, for everything. We look outside ourselves to find out how we feel, right? which, which doesn't make any sense, but we do. We look out and go, oh, what are they thinking about us? What are they doing? What, how are they reacting to me? And I mean, I, I can admit myself, I, I was always watching the other to see how I was doing, to see if I belonged, to see if I was connected. I was looking outside of my own being. And, and I did that because I, I thought it was what I had to do. I really thought I had to do it to survive, to be safe to be loved. And several years ago, I learned about something called internal regulation. And I don't think I had ever pondered this. And I learned that there was a way you could be in the world where you looked inside first, where you noticed what was happening in your own body to decide how you felt. And when you become internally regulated, you experience more peace because you're always there for yourself. And that has nothing to do with control, right, Rebecca? Trying to control the body and feelings and suppressing emotions. Oh, you know what? Number one, we can't control anyone else. <laughs> yes. Period. <True>. And <laughs> we we really only have any control over what what how we're responding to anything else. And this is absolutely about allowing our feelings, allowing our emotions. And, and, and this, this leads me to talk a little bit more about hypnotherapy as well, because what I'm really engaging people with 
is getting to know their own feelings, their own emotions, their own sensations, their own somatic experiences. I'm, I'm inviting them to actually welcome them. So many of us are taught through our childhoods and as we grow to suppress our emotions, to push feelings that aren't comfortable away. And the first thing I invite people to do is get curious about what would it be like if we welcomed that sadness? What would it be like if we we let that anger know that we'd like to get to know it? So we're actually offering an invitation to everything that's happening inside of us to be known, to be heard, to be seen, to be witnessed. When I experience frustration, I wouldn't say anger. These days I call it frustration when, let's say, my husband is saying something that doesn't make sense <laughs> at all. It might be a discernment that I have. I'm very perceptive and perhaps too sensitive to everything. And then I sense that in him, and then I become, something in me becomes frustrated. And then mm-hmm. that feeling, it's a, ah, for some reason, I have a hard time kind of being with it. So is that something that it's uh, not just the practice that I have been engaging with, which is to be open to life and let everything be however it comes, even if I accept or don't accept, it's okay too, even not accepting what I'm supposed to accept and be okay with that place of not accepting whatever it is. So I wonder if that what it takes to get there, Rebecca, the way you speak of it seems like there is state of consciousness or state of being where we are so at ease and calm and flowing with life that we embrace it all and we don't react or respond to anything anymore with that, um, the energy of what that brings, per se, anger or frustration. So how is that really done? Is that something that we need? Like, what do you do? Hypnotherapy, it's something that it's effective when it comes to that. Or, yeah, I'm just wondering here what to do in those cases. Well, I can tell you a story. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. uh, I'm going to tell you how I was introduced to this. And I can tell you the steps that you can take in any moment to be with what's happening inside of you. Because it's not about just not acknowledging. It's not about like just being so accepting in any moment that you ignore emotions and feelings. It's really about being with them and noticing them and acknowledging them and listening to them. So I'll tell you, I knew nothing about hypnotherapy 15 years ago. (laughs) And I took a class because I was curious about hypnosis. And in the first class, she began to teach us about hypnosis. In the second class, I remember she did a demo of someone in the class, a student. And she said, I'm going to let you review a positive memory. And she did what she called an age regression. And she counted this person back after hypnotizing them and allowed them to experience and remember a Christmas, a positive memory from Christmas. And I watched as this student had tears rolling down her face and she was describing what she saw and what she felt and the Christmas tree. And it was so beautiful. And afterwards, 
the teacher said, you know, this is what I do in my practice. I allow people to go into their bodies, into this stored information in the subconscious mind and understand it. And, and maybe someone comes for a specific reason. Well, we go, we go back with that focus on understanding the sadness or the depression or the fear or the anger or, you know, whatever presenting issue, you can go back and get some understanding about it. Because what happens, Valeria, is that as we grow, these parts of us, we're all, we're all multiplicity in nature. We're all have all these different parts inside of us and they get stuck in times in the past where something happened that was, was uncomfortable or hurtful or wounding. And it's like they get frozen in time and we can go back and help them. So I'm, I'm going to tell you. So that was the second class. I go home that week. And I remembered kind of what she did with this student, how she kind of counted her back to a time, you know, positive Christmas. And she said that whenever you notice that you're feeling a strong emotion, like you were speaking of with your husband, like he's saying something that's judgmental and inside you notice this frustration. When you notice a feeling within your body that is incongruent with what's happening externally, you can get curious about that. So that next week, it was a typical morning in my household. My husband accidentally left. You know, we're rushing around and he left without kissing me goodbye. And I came upstairs and I saw that his truck was gone and I had this visceral reaction. Like I could feel my chest constrict. I could feel my belly kind of get nauseous. And I immediately had the awareness that my response, my somatic response was incongruent which what was, with what was happening externally. There was no danger outside of me. I was in my warm house, but my husband's truck was gone. So I went and sat down and I closed my eyes and I said, I want to go back to a time when I felt this same feeling, this constriction in my chest, this nauseous feeling in my belly. And I, I did what the teacher did. I counted myself back to a time when I felt that same feeling. And then I asked myself these questions that I just happened to write down from class. And I asked myself, where are you, inside or outside? Are you alone or is there someone with you? Is it daytime or nighttime? How old are you? And each of those questions, I got this immediate answer. I was inside, it was daytime, I was alone, and I was eight years old. And I had this vivid memory of being in a grocery store where one moment my six siblings were there with me and the next moment they were gone. And I went up to the cash register person and I said, my family has left. I'm here alone. And my thought was, if you do not put up roadblocks, they're not going to notice because there's so many kids in the vehicle. <laughs> there were so many kids in my family. And 
So what, and she was crying. This part of me was crying and myself, my, my 45 year old self was crying. And what I did is I went to her, my adult self went to her and I knelt down in front of her and I said, you're not alone. I'm here and you're safe and I'll take care of you. And she stopped crying and she let me hold her. And then I gave her this kind of expanded view of, of what was happening. And we could see that my mom and dad had already turned the vehicle around and they were coming back for me. And I have to tell you, after that, yeah. my husband's truck hmm. could be gone <laughs> yeah. and I was calm. <laughs> yeah, so he resolved. Wow, I love the way you say that. I never heard it that way, which makes a lot of sense. So it is uh, part of us that stayed stuck in time. So it's uh, how interesting. It makes a lot of sense because we are multiplicity. Yeah, We are not just, yes. there's no center here. That makes me so curious about hypnotherapy. And I remember um, one of my guests, um, I interviewed a number of them. She said that to me after the interview, don't you want to be hypnotized? I would love to work with you. <laughs> and I was wondering, what did I say throughout the interview that she felt there's something that she must have? That's what um, comes to me. Is that something that we are always working on, Rebecca? Or there is a point where you are, per se, right now, where there's no more work to do and you, all the parts in you are in harmony and healed? What I can say is I, I've been doing this work now really. So it's interesting, Valeria, because I did self-therapy. So I, I went back to the next class and the teacher, I told her this story and she was pretty shocked. She said, I've never had anyone do therapy on themselves before. And, she's, and then, then she came up to me after class and said, have you ever thought of becoming a hypnotherapist? And I said, no, but where can I sign up? I, I want to become a hypnotherapist. And, but I, what I can say is those first several years of practicing as a hypnotherapist, I continued to do my own self-therapy. And then um, about, about five years ago now, I was introduced to a model, the internal family systems. And I was immediately drawn to it because it was parts work, which is what drew me into this work in the first place. And when I told my colleague, she said, you know, a very big component of practicing IFS is doing your own work. And I said, oh, well, I've, I've done my own work. And she says, no, I mean with a therapist. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. So I had never been with a therapist before. I had never gone to therapy. And there's something about that. I, I think we can only really ask our clients to go as deep as we've gone ourselves. So I, in the, in the, in the journey of becoming an IFS practitioner, becoming certified and doing the trainings, I started doing therapy with a therapist and it, I have to say, there's really no comparison. The, the depths I've been able to go to with a witness. Again, it's the witness. Someone there holding the space, supporting you as you take this journey inside is, it's invaluable. I know the power of that. I have done some healing work and yeah, there's 
no comparison. I agree. And to answer your question about are, are we always doing the work, what I can say is, I, so I've been doing this therapy for five years now, seeing a therapist regularly, and I think we've always got parts to get to know because I think parts have parts have parts. I mean, it's like we're this big fractal of parts, and I can absolutely confirm that I know more peace and more calm, and more compassion, and more understanding and acceptance than I've ever known in my life. Do you have any spiritual practices, Rebecca? Oh, this is your spiritual practice, hypnotherapy. Do you know what? This, this along with, um, I've been a student of the Course in Miracles for over 30 years now, and IFS. These are my spiritual practice. And what I what I can add to is as far as the parts have parts have parts and when when like when do we get there? When do we like arrive? So this model, the internal family systems, is a constraint releasing model. And as we get to know more parts, what begins to lead is that which I think you're It's like you're hinting towards, Valeria, this this witness consciousness that you get to practice by listening to other people. That gets to come forward and lead the system. The more we release the constraints to what has, in a way, been protecting our system, and once once they know they can relax these parts, our parts, that can lead, that witness what what in IFS is called the self, which is who we are at the core of our being, which is undamageable, it has no agenda, and it's all those words that I've already said. It's the curiosity mm. and the compassion and the calm and the care. Is that what you also call the soul? Is that the same, Rebecca, the self, the soul? That's the self, oh, yes, right. that's the self. Yeah, I would talk to you forever. I have so many questions here, way too many. We have not even talked about the main topic, which is the feminine art of hypnotherapy. So what that is and how did you discover it? Or well, how did you invent it <laughs> in a way? Well, you know what? So I, I trained to be a hypnotherapist and the, the, the books that I read, the texts for the class were written by men and it It was a very masculine kind of paternal, what they call paternal approach. It was you, you know, it was important for you to be the authority and to take kind of an authoritative stance. And from the very beginning, I took a much more gentle approach. And that was referred as referred to as a maternal approach. Well, more and more, I just realized that is what's natural to me. The authoritative, masculine, paternal approach didn't feel natural. So I, of course, just kept learning more about this way that I preferred to do to practice hypnotherapy, which was very gentle, very um, client-led. I, I became less concerned about having the right words or the right script or the right suggestions or the right 
you know, reframing. I mean, there's so many ways to help clients with hypnotherapy that are about what the practitioner does, what the hypnotherapist does. And what I was always more interested in was allowing my client to find the wisdom within them that could lead them. And that's what the, that's, that's what I call the feminine art, because it's really about if you, if you look at masculine and feminine, masculine is very directive and it's, it's like the seed that wants to be planted, to grow, to do, to act. And, and feminine is the reception. It's the receptive. It's the holding. It's like the womb. It's the space that allows it to happen. It's the space to allow something to grow. And that's really what I'm most curious about. What I'm most devoted to is seeing what's in each individual, individual that can come alive in them, that can, that can have the constraints released enough that that can come forth. That um, yeah resonates, of course, very much true. In the way, it makes me think about duality and non-duality, uh, the feminine being non-duality and duality being the masculine, the opposites, uh, always yes. trying to do something, the action. But both of them are essential for the human experience, right, Rebecca? We, I, I don't yeah. think we can be yes. here just as um, as the spirit. No. I mean, we are the spirit, but we, are, yeah. we need the body too. I love that. And I know the way you speak of it's not in separation. There's an action behind that holding the space. There are actions that led you to be in that position of holding the space. So it goes back to the idea of balance and harmony, doesn't it? That um, we talked yeah. before the interview. Yes. We see that in nature, actually. It's just so perfect. When I looked at everything outside, even here in this room, I have plants and I look at them. There's a, it's so silent. They are quiet, but I know so much is happening. But they look so peaceful <laughs> and beautiful, but so much happening under everything. It's doing something. And I believe we, we all have masculine and feminine within us. I believe we're all both and, and we need both. And this, I'm just seen as embodying more of, of those, like you say, allowing qualities and really, really not having to be the wise woman on the mountain, really being able to trust my client that they have within them what they need. Yeah. yeah, I heard something before that I often mention here, not recently, I haven't mentioned that phrase, but somebody said, all healing is self-healing. Yes. And that resonates, doesn't it? True. Yes. yes. And we need to be open to Absolutely. it. That's another question I have. I have so many questions. What drives some of us to be open to healing? And some of us never will. So I, I think it's parts. I think that either parts... Uh, are protecting in some way where to go to that, whatever that is considered to be healing would be dangerous. So, and the parts, our parts are oftentimes very young because they were formed as, as we were growing up. So they're oftentimes children 
that that are parentified. They're thinking they have to lead the system. So if and and I I just get curious. Like if there's a part that that is like, oh, that I don't think I want to go that way. I I want to know why. What's it afraid would happen if it went that way? What what's it afraid would happen if we got to know this this other part that needs this? So we just always remain curious, like, you know, what, what is it? Why is it you do this job of protecting in this way? I did hear something before, I'm not sure, not here, I think, about childish and childlike, that there's a difference. So the childlike, mm. it's open, right? Curious, always asking yes. questions. But then there's the, the childish that's it's trying, like you said, to lead and not knowing exactly what it it's doing, but it still wanted to be the boss <laughs> and do it. Yeah, and, it, and, and they all have our best intention at <laughs> yes. heart. They all are really trying to protect us right, somehow. Right, right, right. Which is beautiful to think that way. Yeah, I have learned to kind of treat those parts that way every time I see them clearly, not just with the frustration, but then I see them to come up with, um, there was a lot of, uh, in my childhood, a lot of uh, abuse. So I see the low self-esteem shows up and it's really sad. I mean, it's really sad though when I kind of yes. something in me observes that child or that part of me that is, yeah, it's so protective of itself. It doesn't want to try new things. And I mean, it's incredible when we get to see the inner world. Well, and, and for you to be able to be with that part that's sad, for you to just let it know that it's not alone, to, to be able to turn towards it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on your website, something else, two more things caught my attention. You also offer mindful childbirth, speaking of um, child, yes. uh, childlike and childish. So mindful childbirth. How does it work? And do you offer sessions one-on-one, -on -one, Rebecca, online, in person? Yes, I offer sessions both online and in person. And as far as the mindful childbirth, we we explore any fears and concerns. And then we talk a lot about what kind of birth they envision and what what it's like to welcome the birth rather than, you know, be afraid. And we look at those fears. We welcome them. We get to know them. And to know, a lot of times it's about re-educating, Valeria, because women have this idea about birth, what they learn from their mothers or grandmothers or their aunts. These, A lot of times people tell stories about their births that are quite frightening. And to know, just to know that birth is natural and your body knows just how to do it. And you really can't force birth. You have to allow it to happen. And that it's really the the hormones that created the baby, those love hormones like oxytocin, the the that are going to help the baby be born. It's the same hormones that created the baby of love that are going to allow it to be born. So I actually talked to both the mother and the father of the child about creating a space that is really welcoming and open and loving and what they see it as being, what they envision. 
So they just get very intentional about the birth. Are you a mother? I have three children. They are all grown up and they're beautiful adults and they're the, the joy of my life. Absolutely. So I guess I asked the question because I am not a mother and it seems like I'll never be. When you talk about the mindful childbirth and how you guide them, I was thinking about like creating new things, uh, giving birth to ideas, to um, this podcast, that's per se, in the beginning. It was very frightening. So we can actually apply that to anything to that we give birth to, right, Rebecca? We can be mothers in that way. Oh, yes, Valeria, you are so right. In fact, I've been thinking about this, how that that birthing is not is, is absolutely about paradigms, about relationships, about projects, about life, about our own relationship with ourselves. I mean, I think of of so many ways what I just said about childbirth has to do with life. You are absolutely right. So we can connect with that idea in this way. That's what it came to me. Yes. So we are almost at the end. And I also love the singing your soul practices that you have. Yes. <laughs> Talk to me for a moment about that, yes. Rebecca. Gosh, I can't stop yes. <laughs> asking you questions. Uh, singing soul <laughs> is, um, I did, I worked with, Uh, a woman named Chloe Goodchild in 2006 and became a naked voice. She, she has what's called the naked voice. And it's, it's really about embodying your sound, your true sound. And I um, call that in my own practice singing soul. because that's what I love to do most is just allow people to spontaneously sound and, And I witness them. It's all about the witness still, right? I witness them and, and the, the experience of being witnessed as your sounding has a profound impact on your body, mind and spirit. Because it's, it's like being seen and heard. And perhaps it's for the first time in your life that that's happened. And what more, what more meaningful way than with your own voice? Your own sound. True. There's something about yeah. sound that it's so healing. Yeah, you. it's true, our, especially our own sound, I agree. Yes. Yeah, I think our own sound is like homeopathy. It's like our own sound is actually what our body needs, what it's asking for. It's like the medicine for our mm, souls. Yeah, so it contains everything. Um, it's the world of exploration that could become painful at times, but then the medicine is always there. It's also there. How wonderful. You also offer clinical hypnotherapy certification programs. So I saw that on your website too. That's amazing. I even thought, oh my God, that's incredible. I never thought about becoming one. But my question is, can anyone become a hypnotherapist? Oh, such a wonderful question. So I... I was having my solar return a few years ago and your solar return, your, your, not my solar return, my Saturn return. I was having a solar return and my astrologer said, you are having your Saturn return and this is all about doing what you're here to do. Are you doing what you're Mm -hmm. here to do? And I thought, oh my gosh, I need to start a school. (laughs) That's what I'm here to do is teach this to people. So that I opened a school And I had my first 
class, which was about a year. And then I had my second class, which is about a year. And I'm just about to start the third class in January. So just not even a month. And it's a very small group of of devoted people who want to learn about hypnotherapy and and anyone can take this class. You don't have to have a master's degree. You don't have to have any special training. You just have to have a desire to want to help people learn to help themselves. Wow, that's lovely. Thank you, Rebecca. Again, it's just beautiful what you do, the way you do it. Everything is just, it's a healing art. It's almost like you have become that. How wonderful to witness, to experience that. It's beautiful, really beautiful. Thank you for being here mm, again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Valeria. I've loved talking to you. And I do have a few more questions, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else that we didn't cover before I ask you this question? God, that, it feels complete. So let's see the last question. I'll ask you this one. What is another word for life? Love. Mm, yeah. And the last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? The love of themselves, self-acceptance, and true connection, not only to the other, but to themselves. Right. That is um, fantastic the way you, um, I keep using that word, that's interesting, fantastic, because it is. <laughs> you keep going back to the self, so self-love, self-acceptance, self-realization, just, it is where, I think if there is another word for healing, that would be that, going back to self or holding the self again as everything that there is, really, because this is from where yeah. we experience everything. Thank you so much again, Rebecca. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? So I have a website, www.rebeccalelic.com. And pretty much everything is right there right now. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you, Rebecca. Valeria. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Bye for Bye-bye. now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rebecca Lelick and her work, please visit RebeccaLelick.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.